Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and this beer is Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we are the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading If I Survive You by Jonathan Escoffrey as we wind down the Booker shortlist. And I'm starting with a beer. So the, f- the story, the book... The thing we're talking about is a bunch of short stories that are kind of interconnected. And uh, the first story is called Flux. In In Flux. Flux. And it follows the the main character, Trelawney, because he's a teacher from Harry Potter. (laughs) And his struggles with his identity and as people expect him to be certain things, you're asking him certain things. And they're always asking, where are you from? Where are you? And he can never answer. Any answer is not enough. It's like he's double two-hearted. He does not. <laughs> oh, double God. two-hearted? Double two-hearted. He's four-hearted? Wow. I mean, when he gets his DNA test at the end of the chapter, it's like, oh, my God, how many hearts can one have? Is this, this is, related to the two-hearted thing? Yeah, from- it's double two-hearted from Bells. Wow. It's a double American pale, and it is 11% alcohol. And it's like the it's really cheap at Costco, Ooh. and so I have lost a lot of mornings. I to this smell beer. a problem. <laughs> I'm like, listen, they, no, I need to buy all of these. <laughs> <laughs> when you buy a four pack of Tall Boys of that for twelve bucks, oh my you're going to do it. It's a twelve dollar blackout, <laughs> and it's it's heavy. It is it is not a New England style IPA. It is a very syrupy. It's like a. It's somewhere in between Dogfish at 90 minute and 120 minute. It's that kind of an IPA. Dogfish 108 minute. It, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I think 105 would be halfway between, but sure. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you know, I was erring on the side of not knowing. You know, he went to music school. so I can't count that high. I count to four over and over again. So, If I Survive You is the debut novel-ish thing, book, of Jonathan Escoffrey. And published September of 2022. So over a year ago now. And starts the first story in flux. So the main character, I, I wasn't clear to me. Maybe it becomes clear later in the book that I fell asleep and didn't read all of it. No offense against the book. I just took NyQuil when I was supposed to read this book today. He's, he born, was he born in Jamaica or was he born in America? He's born in America. He's born, born in America. America. But he's bo- His brother was born in Jamaica. But he's born, his parents are from Jamaica. And so in America, and this is like the... 80s, right? Hurricane Andrew was like 1989 or something like that, right? 92. 90, oh, fucking Nate knows. Old. I know. I looked it up while I was reading the book because there's uh, uh, Andrew is at the beginning and then Irene is later. And I'm like, so what year is this? That was 2011. Which which one was 2011? Irene. Oh, yeah. That was the one where... before... No, Sandy was 20... Irene was the, bullsh- was the bullshit one in New York. The bullshit one, yeah. totally. That everyone was like, fuck that, and the next year, and then it ruined Me it. and my cousin, <laughs> and then we me and my cousin ever. loaded up on a whole bunch of beer for like, we're going to get rained in, better stock up on booze, and then it didn't rain at all. I was like, I guess we just got to drink all this anyway. Dude, it was... I remember that. It, was it rained time. in that bathroom. It rained pee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, keeping up with the Jamaican theme of this, that's where we drink all these beers, we'll shit blood and have a red stripe in our pants tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it happens. So, uh, Trelawney is born in the States to Jamaican parents. And every, and constantly, the book, this first chapter is written in second person. So it's like, you do this, and they, you you know, kind of gimmicky way to write a chapter. (laughs) And people are like, what are, where, where are you from? What are you? And he's like, well, I am 
you know, I'm Jamaican, I guess. And then they're like, well, you're black. And he's like, oh, well, am I now? I guess, maybe. And part of this is, you know, America's, he's commenting on America's weird uh, nebulous definitions of race that don't align with the rest of the world's understanding of race because race is not a very concrete thing. It's and not also, it's not just America's. It's these groups, in, intra-group sure. racial distinctions as well. You know, among themselves. Well, especially when it gets to the college, and then the, the pretentious college students are talking about this. But he's yeah. going, and then, and it's kind of setting up the rest of the book of his other introducing the other characters. So his brother is Delano, I guess. Um, yeah, and he is Roosevelt. Yes, he is much more just like Roosevelt. He is more Jamaican. It's <laughs> <laughs> like me no go on like this polio, and then it's like. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, so, <laughs> so his brother's older and more like, cool with just being Jamaican and exub- ex- exhibits Jamaicanness. I guess he has more of an accent or. Well, he, you know, he, he was born there, so he like feels like he is Jamaican because a part of the, you know, the Trelawney is not just like dealing with what people say he is, but he's also feeling like he doesn't really fit in anywhere either because he's lighter skinned so black people say you're not really black and hispanic people say you could pass for hispanic but he's not but he's white people say he can't speak speak spanish Spanish. and his his white people say he's black so he doesn't really fit in or people or people or white people will say so what are you yeah (laughs) because they're not sure so this is a a class that you we've all had to endure the workplace diversity training (laughs) where they show you some version of this. Like, have you seen the one where it's the white dude and the Asian American woman? As you know, we find out throughout the video. And he's like, Where are you from? You know, they're like jogging or something. And she goes, I'm from LA. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, but where are you from? Where are you really from? Right. And part of that, you know, in that particular case, which is different than the character of this book, is the idea that Asian people can't be from America, <laughs> that they are. American usurpers coming over here to bury us under their cheaply produced goods or something. Mm. And then eventually, you know, it gets silly when she's like, well, I guess my grandma's from, is from Korea or something like that. And he's like, I knew it. I knew it. I love, uh, I just fucking love kimchi or something like that. <laughs> and then she's like, well, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm just from here. Yeah. And she's like, where are you from? And he goes, oh, well, my great-grandfather's from England. And she's like, well, governor, ah, bish bosh. Mind the gap. And that's <laughs> <laughs> funny. But whenever I've had to watch it, it was just many times. And it's always like, everyone fucking knows what you mean when you're asking that question. Like, it's a, it, is, it is blunt and it is not uh, a sensitive question. He's like tired of having to answer it. But everyone knows, like, where, 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 what are you? And if he just says, like, I'm from, Jam- my family is Jamaican, they'd be like, oh, okay, I could, I could fit that into my schema of the world. Mm. But he doesn't want to do that, and he gets he's fatigued with answering that question and not having and not not just because he's fatigued of being asked it, but he doesn't have an answer that seems to always work. So he sometimes goes he's more than fatigued; he's actually he, he gets quite angry at times. Sometimes you you could you think he would feel like all the rage. <laughs> this is called all the rage, and it's from Abomination, and it is I don't know what this is. Dry hopped Kolsch style ale, a collaboration with Imprint Beer Company. I don't know what Kolsch style would imply. 
It's not Kolsch. If it's not made in Kolsch, Cologne, Germany, it's a sparkling white, you know, <laughs> sparkling white Kolsch-style lager. I heard someone say uh, fascism isn't really fascism unless it's from the fascia region of Italy. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just uh, uh, aggressive authoritarianism. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> or sparkling authoritarianism. It's sparkling. It was sparkling authoritarianism. <laughs> uh, this is actually pretty good. I say that surprisingly because Kolsch is usually pretty boring. It's like, it's oh, this tastes hunt. like beer. Wow, what a surprise. Nailed it. Um, and I know like beer eugenicists are like all about that. Like, mm, this Kolsch is a real Kolsch. But I don't want that. I don't really give a shit because I'm an uncultured fuck. Uh, but yeah, I like this. How strong is this? 62%. Oh, no. No, it's 5.8. <laughs> this is how we manage to piss off everybody uh, by being shit, shitting on the books and then shitting on the beers. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> We're nailing it. <laughs> I don't know why we get those angry messages sometimes. Give the people what they want. <laughs> I don't know why we get all those one-star ratings. Where the fuck are those from? <laughs> So the book is set up where it's like every other chapter is Trelawney. It's it's the guy you meet at first, but then the uh, but then although it almost does that, but then the other chapters, every other chapter is about a different member of his family, like friends or family, or, or basically family, except for Cookie, who is was a cousin, or not something. family. No, he's a cousin. He's a cousin. Yeah, he's a cousin. Anyway, so first, the first chapter is about Trelawney. It's about he's a, talking about being a kid. And he doesn't know where he fits in because he's not white. He's not black. He's not Jamaican. He's not American. So he doesn't fit in with anybody. And then you get a chapter from his was a father's perspective. Yeah, his dad's perspective. Um, and you know, growing up in Jamaica and then wanting to be a designer of some kind like clothing designer but just there's no jobs for that then his father is like don't go to art school you idiot also there's a very distinct like masculine thing especially in jamaica which is not the kindest uh even to this day to um the lgbt community uh it's pretty homophobic still so like you do fashion why would you want to do that huh what's wrong with you yeah. Men don't do that. So instead, he's helping his father's like construction business and he's helping just like, he's like an overseer of some kind. He's just kind of like making sure guys show up to it's work. Like a contractor. Yeah, a contractor. Yeah, exactly. A uh, contractor, but it's also like, you know, when somebody doesn't return from lunch, he has to go like track them down at the bar and be like, hey, get the fuck back there. And he doesn't like it, but then he meets a, he's got a couple of women he's seeing and then he ends up marrying one of them they have a boy named delano and it's great and then they move to the states i think there was probably something else in that chapter but i can't really remember. they moved to miami uh, and, so and to... it's like their life growing up in miami as as him a immigrant with his family and his the differences in his sons yes and you get a little bit of the politics of or at least a little bit of the history of jamaica about how which is something we never learn about. The, yeah, no, absolutely not. We're up, apparently, the economy has just done worse and worse and worse. Well, uh, I believe uh, Bob Marley saying, no money, no cry. Is that? No, wait, that's not how it works. I don't Shit. think so, They do mention Marcus Garvey, and I was like, that's a name. And then I don't know anything else. Marcus Garvey was a... Uh, I know he's like a Pan-Africanist. And, uh, yeah. But he was a, he was a uh, Jamaican 
He was, in fact, Jamaican. Political activist. But they mentioned him specifically. And I was like, oh, that's a name. That's something I can cling to in this sea of shit. I have no idea what's happening right now. But apparently, Jamaica of the, the 60s and 70s. That, well, when did Jamaica become an independent country? That'd only be the 60s, right? It probably wouldn't have been earlier than that. Jamaica was... What? 62 is my guess. I don't know. I'm, I looked at the wrong thing. <laughs> Jamaica, uh, Queens. <laughs> 1962. Holy shit! I'm taking the rest of the episode off. <laughs> it, it auto-corrected, or it auto-filled to, when was Jamaica emancipated? And I was like, 1868? It hasn't been independent that long. Like, That's the wrong word. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, the next chapter is back to Trelawney, and Trelawney, when he goes to college, to study English. And when he goes off to college, he, so it's funny. So he, instead of going just to well, like the college was in the that, college was in the first chapter. Yeah. That was the first chapter. First chapter. Yeah. The next chapter is when he's, uh, very, very poor and doing weird stuff. And he has to go watch this right, rich people right, fuck for money. Wait, back to the college part. So he goes off to college in like the Midwest in like Minnesota or something like that. Uh, yeah, Minnesota, Michigan, one of the one of those. States. He's with mostly white kids, uh, white people, and uh, and a few people who aren't white. But don't you think growing up in Miami and then like visiting Jamaica that when he goes to college in Minnesota that he's going to be really cold? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is Really Cold by Radiant Pig. <laughs> and this is a triple IPA that is 11% alcohol. Mm. Tastes like the temperature of my fridge. <laughs> that is a weird sentence. What? What? <laughs> it's not really cold. It's merely Chat the GPC temperature of my fridge. Fairly no. cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, it's, you, can, you can taste the booze. It is quite strong. But yeah, it's, it's nice. But whoa, it is. Is it, it, is very is it radiant? <laughs> it is. <laughs> How's the pig know? Is that is that a uh, Charlotte's Web reference? Radiant. Pig. Is it radiant? One of the words. Oh, um, I've never read the book. We never did. Maybe that, right? never seen the movie. No. Right. Yeah. No, I never did. Actually, I think it is. We should do that. Some I'm surprised. We classic haven't. book we could shit on. Into short. Yeah, radiant. Mm, I like that. That's my speed these days. He begins to feel radiant. Are you looking up? Yeah. Is that a quote? You know, well, you never read it at all. I know the I know the plot. Oh yeah, I, I it's just some pig, terrific and radiant. Oh shit! Wow, only our fifteenth radiant pig beer before we caught that <laughs> reference. <laughs> <laughs> so in the second chapter, sorry, in the third chapter, which is the second chapter about Trelawney, he is. Um, this is when he's like now homeless, right? Because he came back from college and. Can't really get a job. And this is about him like living in his car and the chapter. And then it's not, and, uh, and then he's answer answers a Craigslist ad from a, from a girl who's like, I want you to slap me. No black guys. And then, <laughs> and he answers it anyway. Cause he's like, you know, people are sure maybe I could do it. So he, and he's like, so desperate. It's like 40 bucks. I'll go do this. She wanted to be slapped. Are you sure she wasn't saying no black eyes? <laughs> well, it was typed, so she no. She wanted a black eye. <laughs> she, she, literally, she wanted a black eye, yeah. Like, the, the, the description in the Craigslist ad is like, this is for an art project. And he's like, listen, I'm, I'm just desperate. So, oh, yeah. And There's beats sucking like, your dick. On, he's, <laughs> he's living on the street. You know, he's living in his car. 
and a guy in one of the security guard or a parking attendant like knocks on his door and it's like, Hey, you can't, Hey, you can't park here. Trelawney and he's like oh fuck he's like hey man we went to high school he's like oh yeah just uh just resting my eyes <laughs> um anyway so he goes to this girl's house and she's like just and, and he's like well okay this is really weird uh are you just gonna call the police what is this what is this for it's like no I, I want you I want you to hit me and he's like really and at first you like can't do it he's like uh, this is very strange and he's like okay $80 but do it right now it's like a Okay, fine. And so he slaps her. And then she's like, do it again. And he does. He does. And then he's like, now I'm going to hit you. He's like, first, let me get some food. And so he's like, wait, I, I need a minute. So he goes to the kitchen and, and he's like, you know, this is like a big wealthy, this is a big house, a clearly a very wealthy person. And she's like, she had said earlier, like, oh, my parents are going to be home and half an hour, 45 minutes. So we have to do this now. But he's in the, in he's in the, in the, her kitchen, looking at all the things she has in her fridge. She's like, oh, and the cheeses. And then her parents get home, and then they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> this is a really <laughs> weird chapter. chapter. After what, yeah. That one... The, I think this this was foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Foresha- it was there simply to be foreshadowing for the stuff that's going to happen at the end. And then the next chapter is about Delano. It's about them when, when, they, when they were kids, and there was a hurricane in Miami. And oh yeah, so he Hurricane Andrew happens, which was in 1992, and it just it it rips the roof off, which can happen in hurricanes, and like you know, and so the their home is like completely like unlivable, and so they have to go to get a, a shitty apartment in Fort Lauderdale. But the father and the older brother, so his father and older brother are like spending weekends like fixing it up, and. Trelawney's miserable at the school in Fort Lauderdale, and he's like, oh, and he, he keeps telling his teachers, like, any week now, I won't be back. I'm going to be back in Miami. And then, eventually, uh, the house is fixed, but the father takes Delano, and they move back to the house in Miami, and Trelawney stays with his mom in Fort Lauderdale, and they're now a separated family. And he doesn't understand why. Yeah, because he's the young one. He's in uh, Miami-Dade Public School District, right? They specifically say that? Yeah, I think so. I I know someone who taught there. (laughs) She was like, it was a fucking war zone. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, first year out of college, she got a job. First job out of college, got a job mid-year replacing a teacher who quit. (laughs) Never, Mm. Probably not a good sign. No. Not a good sign, no. And she herself would quit before the end of the school year. <laughs> because there's just like food fights and fist fights so horrendous in this in the cafeteria that the principal would come back like sopping wet with mashed potato. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the kind of shit you only see in an eighties movie. Except it was two thousand and eighteen. <laughs> the place is wild. <laughs> Sounds like a good place to, to study. Yeah, and that's why he chose to study English. He's like, "That's let me get something useful, <laughs> an English degree." Well, this is when he's in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he does take years off between high school and actually going to college. But he says that it's in the first chapter where he's dating women that are in their thirties, and he's like, "They don't realize how old I am because," and he doesn't say it, but he means because it don't crack, and 
because he's a black. Because he's in he's in fucking middle of nowhere. They've never like seen more than one black guy before. But he says they don't have black guys don't develop laugh lines or frown lines or something right away, yes. so they can't tell how old he is. <laughs> but the only other black people he sees are the ones that work at the bars. I wrote uh, next one is Splashdown, and it's about cousin Kuki lobstering with his long lost dad. Right, a, uh, a no segue necessary. Yeah, I mean, like the stories are all connected by their these are different members of the family, but it's mostly Trelawney. And yeah, this one is an interesting story, but it's definitely the most disconnected because he's like their cousin they hang out with in the summer sometimes, and he you know has a dad he hasn't seen since he was a little kid, and then one day he's like. Your mom, mom's like, you're going to go stay with, you know, see your dad for a while. Because the dad is like, back in the picture, he's like, he wants to get to know his son. And he teaches him how to go lobstering, which is, you know, his trade. But it eventually becomes apparent that uh, eventually, or maybe always, he's not really sure, his dad is also doing some light drug dealing and coke smuggling. And then he, his dad knocks up the girl he was going to bang, and he disappears. And he doesn't like that. And you're, it's you know it's a nice, it's an interesting little story, but it does it doesn't feel as connected as the rest of them. No. Uh, and then the next chapter is again about Trelawney, and this is where he's the the assistant manager, property manager at a uh, senior housing, senior public housing. Yeah, senior public housing. It's oh, not yeah. an assisted living facility. It's actually apartments, but it is mostly for for the elderly. Uh, mostly quite poor, uh, and so he his job is to essentially not only get people to pay their rent, but also look for ways to raise people's rent by finding out that they actually have a job on the side, or finding out that they actually have uh, that they actually can't take care of themselves, and then they get evicted. So that because part of the uh, rental agreement is that you know you can't be a complete invalid, so that's a reason to kick you out. Which just sounds horrifying, but anyway, and this whole chapter is about trying to like track down this one guy that lives there who walks really fast. <laughs> I forget his name. But just this is the job he could get that and it still only pays like eight dollars an hour. Also because he graduates college like basically around the time of the recession. Yes. So he is He tries to go back home yeah. to live with his parents, but his mom has been her house has been foreclosed. Well, because. she decided to go back to Jamaica. Well, because she had, in a, in a teaser earlier, she had an adjustable rate mortgage. And I remember mm. reading that mm. as someone who just recently bought a house. I'm like, ooh, that's bad. Don't do those. <laughs> those are they don't never, adjust it down ever. Yeah, they really never do. <laughs> that's not going to go well for you. Um, so she has, her house has been foreclosed on. And so he's like, oh, I can't live. Because he says to the mom, mom, I'm coming home after graduation. She goes, I'm also going home after graduation. She's like, but you are home. She's like, no, 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 no. He's working at this old folks uh, public housing home. And he hates it, especially as someone who is, you know, know, as he learned in college, you know, very much about the class struggle and, you know, anti-capitalist to whatever extent. And the only job he can get is... Capitalist badgering, <laughs> badgering old people to raise their rent to the point where they can't afford it and get evicted. But he does it because he has to survive. <laughs> because that's the only, that's the best job he can get. But it's still so little, he's still living in his car. Yeah. And he is, uh, it's not even enough. <laughs> he's eating the food out of dead people's have fridges. His <laughs> own home. Yeah. A guy die. a guy kills himself, jumps off of his balcony and dies. And he's like, I have the key. I went in and ate food out of his fridge that night. Uh, and then a 
It's not like that was evidence. (laughs) Exactly. And then a uh, Russian lady tries to like seduce him to get on the wait list. To skip the wait list. Yeah, to skip the wait list or be uh, be next on the wait list because they have just... They, they don't have a, a fancy system. They just have uh, composition notebooks filled with names. And then he's like, oh, there's an opening. I'm just going to call the next name on the list. And if there's no... If he calls a number and nobody picks up or it goes to voicemail, he just goes, crosses it off and goes to the next one. This, and, and this is where there's like a five-year wait list to get in. And he's like, yeah, if people just, you know... We're in the shower or went out to the drugstore. Oh, you just lost your place, <laughs> which is so, like, cold. But, yeah, this, this Russian lady tries to, like, seduce him. But then he's like, oh, God, I'm, like, committing a crime here. But also because the guy that she's trying to help in the building dies. She's trying to, get, she's like trying a, to move into the building so that she can help out another resident there. But also she doesn't, you know, it's, it's very nice to have a place where the rent is practically free. So she's trying to bribe her way in. But then that guy dies, so she just is like, well, I don't need to live here then. Fuck it. Something like that. Right? I didn't read this part. Uh, uh, and then the next <laughs> chapter is about Delano and his failed tree service company, Arborist Company. He's a licensed arborist. And the, and, and the, the title of this chapter is, If he suspected he'd get someone killed this morning... Delano would never leave his couch. And so this is during like very much the recession. And so this is a a crazy fucking story. Yeah, it is a crazy (laughs) story. So Delano had started an arborist. He's a a tree tree company, you know, where you take down trees or you like trim trees so that they don't fall down. Which they need to do all the time in Florida because of the constant hurricanes. Yeah. And business was fine until the economy collapsed. And then no one, and like, what do you, if there's something you're going to skip paying for, it's going to be that, you know, it's definitely not a high thing. So Delano is just completely out of work, just lying on his couch. He's bemoaning how his like reggae band has broken up, <laughs> but also how his tree truck, whatever it's called, the picker, the cherry picker the, truck cherry picker truck has been in the shop and he can't get got, it out of the shop pounded. until he pays the bill. No, no. It's that he just never paid the bill oh, for the okay. repairs. So the guy's not, I'm not, I'm not giving you your truck back till you pay me yeah. for my repairs. And then his other like sort of friend slash business partner who is a meth addict is like, you got this man. Like there's a hurricane. It's the, it's like literally the day before hurricane Irene is going to hit. Florida, so it was like people are going to want their their trees, you know, trimmed now. Today is the day we can do it, and we're going to we could go and get this contract with with some lady. And he's like, fine. So he he uh, he goes over to the mechanic shop, and he and the guy and the guy's like, you finally have my fucking money. He's like, yeah. So he goes over. The guy's like, you fucking piece of shit. At least you you know you need to owe me my money. He's like, oh. I forgot to tell you, I need the truck so I can go earn the money and then I'll pay you. And the guy's like, yeah, you fucking piece of shit. So instead he steals the truck. As the guy is drives, shooting at him. Yeah, well, the guy is shooting him <laughs> with a gun, drives out of the gates, you know, like literally because it's a giant, like, you know, huge truck. He's just, you know, crashing through other things and like it gets out. 
and then they go and finally like have the truck and they go do the job. Well, uh, the, th- the 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 friend whose business partner isn't the meth addict. The meth addict is the guy who they used to work with, but he was too much of a druggie. Oh, right. And the only he's the only guy around that can do this job short notice because he's the guy who goes up in the bucket and cuts the trees. But they took the truck in to get fixed because last time Delano was up in the bucket trimming the stuff, it freaked out and, and it malfunctioned. Yeah, it nearly and tossed threw him out. Him. And yeah, he was, and it's you know fucking what, twenty feet in the air, like it'll kill you. So they go and oh, they yeah. get like you know the meth guy is like, all right, get up there. <laughs> And uh, it turns out the guy didn't actually fix the truck. So instead, it freaks out and throws the guy from it and just splatters him everywhere. It's the most Florida story I've ever heard, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then there's the last story after that one. I mean, there's a little bit more. Uh, So Delani, I mean, Trelawney is a high school teacher. Now he finally finished I mean, his like there's, teaching there's, there's license in the last story. Yeah, there's, well, there's one more story after that one. Oh yeah, this yeah comes after that. So Trelawney becomes a like high school teacher and has now able to like afford rent. So he actually moves in with his brother to his old house in Miami. So he and his brother are living there. But Trelawney is now paying the mortgage, which is actually not a mortgage. It's actually paying it to their father. Well, he and his father he is it's actually. A mortgage. <laughs> Yeah, he thinks it's a mortgage. He later finds out at the end from his mom's like, oh, these are just all the fines your father had to pay. The mortgage, like, it, it was a 30, it was like a 15-year mortgage, and we bought it 30 years ago. There isn't <laughs> a mortgage the anymore. You find out from the mom later in the book. And then, but then the <laughs> father is like, I want to sell you the house. Like, I, I, I want to sell the house for $11,000. <laughs> it's like the whole house. But Trelawney, of course, has... No money. And so the house like, is in trash shape. Like the foundation is garbage. It's sinking. And they live by Mount Trashmore. <laughs> and it just smells so terrible. <laughs> but still, Trelawney, for like reasons of pride, is like, no, I want the house. I, you know, I was kicked out of this house essentially when I was a kid. I want it back. And the brother is like, no, I want it because the brother has like two kids. That go and they're living with their mom. She took the kids and abandoned him and moved to California or some shit. Yeah, so he's like, if I get the house, I can get them back. And so the brother has this, the older brother, Delano, has this dream to like win a giant battle of the bands and win $100,000. Because he used to have a semi-successful like reggae cover band that played shit in bars and they broke up because he wanted to keep doing the stuff people want but the band was like no we gotta do originals blah 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 you know because the, the singer wanted to do originals yeah. and then the and then the, and then the you know <laughs> nobody wants original <laughs> reggae songs which is why they got fired and then they got and then the band broke up but he wants to put the band back together to win this battle of the bands and he also wants to kick Trelawney out of the house and Trelawney wants to kick him out of the house because they don't really get along and it is uh, basically a decrepit rundown place so trelawney needs like has like a week or like just a couple days to come up with eleven thousand dollars which is not very much money for a house but it's a lot of money to just come up with if you have no money yeah so he answers an ad on craigslist (laughs) see that's what i said about foreshadowing before it was just uh, a woman says we're looking for a black guy just to watch and he's like 
okay, how bad could it be? <laughs> and so he does. He shows <laughs> So first he meets the person. So it's a woman named Morgan who is, uh, and she's like, yeah, we just, my, my husband, he just, he just wants this black guy to watch. And she's worried he's and not he, black enough. Yeah, because he's, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, you'll be fine. And he first he thinks it's weird. So he shows up to the like super expensive, like gated community. Like he goes through the gets in the gate and he has the valet parks his 88, you know, 1988 truck, Dodge Raider or something like a car I'd never heard of. No. Uh, And then he goes up to the apartment and then he just like watches and he's like, okay, and he made like three or four hundred bucks. Uh, but they're also like, oh, couldn't you wear like a hoodie? You know, dress blacker. Couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, essentially, couldn't you be more more black? Could you be scarier? <laughs> and then the next day, he's like doing, you know, uh, he's just out, you know, living his life, and he gets a text like, oh, could you come over now? And he's like, this is kind of short notice. Also, he wasn't like that into it before because it was like really weird. And then he says. For eleven thousand dollars, I'll drop what I'm doing right now and come over. It's like deal, and so he goes over. But then they're like, "Oh, just come up. We're up at the pool. There's like a roof deck pool." But he's sitting there wearing a hoodie and looking like a dangerous black man. And one of the older white residents is like, "I'm afraid of you." And he's like, they, "Who do you like, who do you know the, here?" The security guard. Yeah, who do you know here? The usual. <laughs> And he's like, oh, you know, I, I know them. Like, I don't know who they are. And gets the security guard to throw him out. But before they throw him out, the other the couple find him. And they're like, no, he's with us. Don't you know who he is? And they're like, no, what do you mean? He's like, And they like imply that he's some sort of famous, probably rapper. And they're offended that he didn't, these people didn't know. And they, oh, the, the boss lady's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I was unaware. And then they make <laughs> him watch them back again. Or it's not, they're not even yeah. banging. He's watching them like choke each other in jacket. Yeah, but so <laughs> at the very end of that chapter, Morgan is like, "Here, you take the tie," and it's like sh- he chokes him. Like so, Trelawney chokes the husband while the dude jack- I, I while exactly the dude sure jacks off and goes down on his wife or some weird shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, he's like, "Come to my," because the guy is like a. It's a banker. He's a banker, and he's like, "All right, come to the bank, and we'll talk about your money." And he's like, "I'm not going to give you eleven dollars." So meanwhile, <laughs> he's gotten a call from his girlfriend, say, and his girlfriend who lives at the house with uh, them, uh, and he's like, "All our stuff is out in the lawn. Your brother has kicked us out. All our belongings are out on the front lawn." It's like, oh, "I'll take care of this." Tries to get in. So let me just choke this guy for a few more minutes. He's tries to get last in. Tries to get in his home, like his house. You can't get in because they're because they're having band practice. <laughs> Like no, you can't get you can't get an early peek or early view or something like that. So he like sleeps in his bed out on the lawn and is like covered in bugs. You know, <laughs> in the morning goes to the bank and the guy's not there and the assistant is like, "We're not giving you a loan. You have terrible credit." It's like, no, no, no. This was a deal. Call your manager. He's not there. Calls Morgan and Morgan is like. Morgan's like, no, why you, look, let's come on, let's let's talk about it. It's like we had a I had a big fight. And so he goes over and sees Morgan and Morgan's like, maybe we can have a little deal. And he's like, she brings out a bottle of tequila. Uh 
And then he's like, maybe we can. It's like, just until the battle of the band starts. <laughs> so he goes out after a couple of tequilas. Well, this is his goes, like fever dream about, he's like, he knew his life is falling apart. He's like, I could see the whole future of what was going to happen. And he says what's yeah, going to so happen. A, a, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Not all of the book, but a good part of the book is actually kind of written in second person. Like, you do this, and you do that, and you... Uh, like, one... I'm just like at, at a random chapter. It's actually... A lot of it chapters. is in third person, but, that, it, but like sections kind of start in second person. Like Well, he never says, I, Trelawney, yeah. did this. The Trelawney parts are always second. Person. You won't buy your father's house, you decide. But in the week following his, his proposition, you find yourself probing the possibilities with others. The possibility with others. You ask your brother. You don't actually say. So it's kind of a second person anyway, except for this very final part of this very last chapter where, where it's in like, I don't know what tense it is. The future present subjunctive past. Plupe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Plu Perfect. <laughs> it's whatever the future version of Plu Perfect is. Plu Future. And, and he, so it, in his fever dream, he imagines going to the Battle of the Bands where his brother is playing, going up on stage and just punching his brother in the face <laughs> while he's playing, and then getting arrested, ha- getting arrested by, you know, by security and then the police, and he's taken to jail, and then he calls father calls his father to bail him out and his father, because his father is like, doesn't like him. He's never liked him, but his father comes and bails him out. And then in the very, very last line, uh, basically he says, forgive herself. So he basically says like, um, finally his father comes and bails him out. And his father is like, what happened? And he's like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I guess I could finally say, I'm sorry. And thank you. And like, forgive yourselves for everything that happened. And in his, like, futuristic possible mind, he comes to some sort of conclusion, I guess. Some sort of, like... Uh, Closure. Reconciliation with his father. But yet, it, he doesn't because it's hypothetical. Yes. And, that, and then it's, boom, the end. It's the end of the book. Yeah. Gets a little weird at the end there. So, I don't know. What'd you think? I actually like this one a lot. Yeah, I did too. I, you know, as far as like an enjoyable read, it was, it was, a, it was way an enjoyable more enjoyable read. than the others. It was not a slog. No, like after it was like, oh, fucking this is what? kind of fun. This is like our tenth or eleventh Booker list thing, and it's like so many like art books, and it's just like, oh, thank God, like a book that's just like you can read it, and it's you know, it's got a lot of issues, and not like it's not like, it's got problem issues. I mean, it, it, it deals political it deals issues with issues. And, but it's it doesn't detract from the storytelling, which is I thought very good. And you know, it's 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 not as maybe not as highbrow. I did see one Goodreads reviewer is like, "There's a little too much quote unquote lingo in this book for me because they're like they speak there the yeah. chapter there was a chapter in chapter in patois where it's like okay. So I read part of it and then because I really needed to hurry and finish it, I got the audiobook. But the chapter is so easier. Kind of, I, was, I was going back and forth. The chapter from the father in the Patois perspective, I could not understand. Or, or more like because I listened to everything at 1.5 oh, God, X speed no, or 2X speed, I could not understand it. I, for that, I had to go back to 1.0 speed. I went back to 1.0 speed and then I could understand it fine. Yeah, if you read it, but it's at like. First, I was like <laughs> at first, I was like, 
what is this? Oh my god! I was very, I was very confused. Yeah, but when I'm back to one X beat, there's nothing wrong with the audiobook. It's my listening habits that was like, whoa, that is crazy. No, I mean, if if you if you like but, read it, it's it's under. There's certainly parts where like I don't actually don't know these words, but it's largely understandable. You get what it is. it's not like a foreign language. It's yeah, a dialect. I guess I don't really know, but the dude Jeffrey Escoffrey. This is not an autobiography by any means, but it is autobiographical in that he is a child of Jamaican immigrants. And so I imagine the issues he deals with are not issues he hadn't dealt with in real life. I don't mm-hmm. think the crazy shit happened, but you know. But he was like a guy who grew up in Miami and went to school in the Midwest. So the book is described as like a series of short stories, connected short stories. I think that is wrong. I don't think that's true at all. It's like a story with interludes. I I think it is... Okay. When you describe it as a series of interconnected short stories, it sounds like Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. Yeah. That's what I was imagining it was going to be like, a book we did fairly recently. This is way more connected because Trelawney is every other chapter. So Trelawney is half the chapters of one main character and then other sort of like side chapters about other characters. And if you've read any, you know, Game of Thrones when there are like 10 main point of view characters where you get chapters from, this is nothing. This is not difficult. This is not confusing. The chapter about Cookie seemed to be like less connected because his story really didn't like come back or like loop in. It was just sort of, or loop in later it was very much like, oh, this is just the kid, the cousin. This is just what happened to him. But I still, even though, so that is kind of true. But overall, it reads much more like a novel than Visit from the Goon Squad. Yeah, it was definitely way more connected than just like, people that are in each other's stories, ha ha ha. Because like, the story from the dad's perspective is kind of still like giving his perspective to a certain extent on Trelawney. Like yeah, as a definitely. as a kid, like why he did these things, you know, it's not good reasons. Like he thinks his son is a little, a little effeminate and weak, and he doesn't get him, and he doesn't get. But you see his like Trelawney's phase from his perspective of growing up is like I started to dress like the black kids did in Miami, so I would fit in, and but the, you know, eventually they found out I you know was like you know because he's like he's like part white because of his Jamaican heritage, like you know, the mixing. Uh, one th- and I think at the very end of the first chapter, because like the chapter when he's trying to figure out like what race am I, Delano says we're black in Jamaica we're not, but here we're black. Here in America we're black. Yeah, and he's like oh okay. Yeah, so when he's when he's growing up, he's like trying to fit in and like dressing the way the black kids did in his school and talking the way they did. And his dad sees it and he's like, why is he doing this? It's so stupid because he doesn't get it. It doesn't make any sense to him. But so you kind of get all the sides. Like, yeah, it, it is confusing. Is growing up, and this is not something I personally understand because I'm Lily White and my family's been here forever. I don't have the immigrant experience. Like, we don't identify as any, like, I'm not even like, I'm Italian American or I'm Irish. Like, don't you have ancestors that were on the Mayflower? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, like, we don't have any, like, cultural all traditions or, you know, we're not like from one place, but like, I know a lot of kids that were, and the majority of my significant others were first born here from parents from somewhere else. So I have dealt with that from like their perspective, like what it's like to do that. And 
it's complicated. Like you don't really feel like one or the other a lot of times, or you have like two lives where you're one thing at home and another thing with your friends and you kind of got to split that. And for Trelawney, it's hard because he doesn't fit in with anyone, not even his family. And when he goes to Jamaica, he doesn't fit in there either. They're like, there's no race here, just poor people and rich people, but we're all black. And he's just like, ah, what the fuck? So he doesn't fit in with his supposed heritage, his own family, the people where he fits in, you know, sociologically in terms of like his beliefs of the world, you know, liberal arts college, fancy people, but he's still the only black guy in town. He's still an oddity. And then when he gets out into the world, he's, you know, just trying to survive. And to survive, he has to do shit he hates, like run down old people for cash and pretend to be a scary black guy for a rich white couple to get their, you know, dicks off. So it's like, but, you know, he doesn't feel necessarily black either. But to them, he's black. He doesn't ever get to define himself, I think it would be. He's always someone else's definition of what he is. If I was to make up a term paper about this. No, I think that's I think that's 100% the point, especially that yeah. first story. <laughs> yes. So the book is written in a kind of experiment. It's written in an experimental way, in a couple of ways. One is the use of second person, and the other is the different, what you would, maybe they described as short stories, but I actually disagree about that, but just not quite like a regular novel, but a different just point of view chapter from a different from a different character that from the family is a little oh bit different God. maybe it's like his race it's not one or the other it's something in between and we can't really figure it out it's different than different people <laughs> <laughs> it's not impossible i don't think he was intended but you could see it that way in jamaica this is a novel <laughs> <laughs> so it was written in a different way and it is definitely about a important social issue, which is race in America. Uh, and so by both of those metrics, it, I can see how it might have made the Booker shortlist. It's way more easy to read, though, way more just like readable and fun than every other book on the shortlist. I was surprised. Or on the, like, yeah. It has less pretension to be highbrow. I mean, I'm sure he's saying something, but... It's not snooty. It's like funny. <laughs> it was actually like quite funny. Like it was, I actually enjoyed reading this fucking book, which it's been a yeah. while since we started doing this goddamn list. You think those enslaved Africans had it bad? We had to read all these books. We didn't even read <laughs> all of Terrible. them. Terrible. <laughs> think about our pain. <laughs> Someone needs to speak for the white men. <laughs> the white men who had to read these with, books. With book podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're an oppressed minority. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I actually really liked it. I don't think it's going to win. It's not pretentious I enough. I think Prophet Song is going to win. But uh, it is. it was actually, of all the books where I might like recommend to somebody, of all the books on the short list that I'm like, would I just, hey, recommend it to somebody? Yeah, I'd recommend this. I think this is like my favorite, or it's a toss-up between this and uh, all the little bird hearts. For like the books I actually like, enjoyed i think i enjoyed this more but i thought those those these two are the best ones i don't think this is going to win though because it's i don't know it's not, I, it's not artsy add, fartsy I, enough. I, I know it's no official part of their their mandate as judges but wasn't it only like 2016 or something like that the jamaican author won um a brief history in seven killings or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, I have no idea. which is like all in patois. 
Oh, okay. I feel like... But this is an American Jamaican. It is. I know they're not the same at all. They're not, but they're kind of similar in a very broad way that I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "Mm, that kind of thing just won. How could this win again? Even though that book's totally different. It's a different set of judges. It's true. But I wonder, do they? I, I wonder if one of the things they do as judges is look at the what won in the past couple of years. They must, it right? Is, they have it's to kind of impossible kinda... to be independent, like completely independent. Like even if you say, like, I'm not going to let those things affect me, you cannot be objective and just uh, well, judge in well, a really, vacuum. They have to take that the into only, account. The only way they could judge purely objectively would be if they got copies of the book that didn't tell you the author's name have no picture on the jacket and they can't find out who wrote it you know but all those details creep into their assessments i think the only way you could be objective is if you picked a person who had never read a book before and then they judged none of these are good to start yeah, with. They would, that would be the worst person to be a judge for a literary well, based prize. on this you know, what's the shortest based on this short list Wait, uh, they must have done something like that I don't the know. picture book wins <laughs> I'm really loving this book about the Lorax. Uh, is that how you say it? It's, this is I don't know. My, it seems a bit like is... a fucking commie to me. Sounds sounds French. <laughs> Lorax. There's a gym by town that I drive past and don't even look at it because it disgusts me. But it's called it's L.A. Fitness, and I just call it La Fitness every time. <laughs> I had a a friend of mine. She's she was from the south, and she's like we're. Uh, we're around the city, and she's like, "Oh, I'm get it food. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go to Preda Manger." I was like, "What? You know, Preda Manger? <laughs> what the fuck are you saying to me? The fucking place right there, Preda Manger." Like, are you trying to say Preda Manger? It's like, I, "Yeah, I guess so. I don't know." <laughs> Preda Manger. I guess if you never heard it said out loud, it'd be like, "Yeah, that's what it says." It's where Jesus was born. It's <laughs> born in a Preda Manger. <laughs> yeah, it was good enough for right our Lord. That. He was ready for that manger. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think this. I, I still think uh, Prophet Song's going to win, uh, but this was this was this was the most accessible of the books. I think it was absolutely Except the most the accessible. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be dis- if this won. Be like, that's fine. I would be. I don't think I it- would be shocked if it won. And I'm saying as someone that liked it the most. Well, well, we'll find out. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail dot com. Follow us on Twitter, drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And uh, we forgot to mention the Patreon again, I think. That's fine. We'll go to patreon.com. So We're so good at this. You know, we have enough money. It's fine. Don't go there. It's, it's fine. It's not fine. Please go there. <laughs> Please give us all your money. <laughs> <laughs> or leave us a review. We'd like that, too. And go to Goodreads and give us all your money on Goodreads, too. Uh, just <laughs> type Goodreads onto an envelope put a wad of cash into it and send it in the mail. They'll know where to send it to. We have a deal with the post office. Tell them to go one place. <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.